0: good morning everybody if you have your bibles here which i hope you do in some form or another please would you turn with me to hebrews chapter 13. this is our final part of our if jesus series where we're looking at all the big therefore statements in the book of hebrews where the writer to the hebrews is saying if jesus is if jesus has accomplished these things if jesus truly is who he says he is therefore and all of these therefore pages, uh, verses, give us something powerful to put into practice. And what we're going to see today is that all of these F Jesus sections cannot simply remain in our minds. They cannot simply remain in our hearts. They have to be something that starts to come out of our mouths and our hands and our feet. So probably the most practical message of the whole bunch now some of you have been with Riverside for a while and from time to time Craig and I like to share certain things that we love as illustrations for you to kind of connect with so just to see if you guys have been listening over time what are some of the things that I've said in church that things that I love food okay I've heard food I've heard fishing steak oh yes praise Jesus okay donuts there we go all pot of food fishing john sky oh yes cliff hold on to that one you'll see what i mean by that now cycling okay so there are a whole bunch of things that i love and at some point i have shared that with you to the point where some of you are like okay steven keep quiet about the steak thing all right but here's another way for you to know what i love we did this as a life group during lockdown when we were still having Zoom life group meetings and we said to the guys go onto your youtube.com homepage. Now so for those of you who are on social media, for those of you who surf the internet, you don't have to do it right now necessarily, but if you go to youtube.com, even if you're not necessarily signed in, YouTube has been watching what you watch. And so if you go to YouTube's homepage, youtube is going to prompt you with a bunch of videos based on the things that you have watched before so on friday morning i took a screenshot of my youtube homepage. so if we can have that up there on the screen now maybe you can't really see there but basically that falls into three categories we've got a bunch of videos being prompted for me to watch on theology okay so um, if you want to check these out some of them are great there's a uh, a guy called mike winger got some great stuff on his youtube channel there's another guy called uh, remnant radio a bunch of guys that bring in a whole lot of other people onto their show and they chat theology nt writes i watched him last week and so they think that i should watch another one and then so that's the theological videos i'm being prompted to watch there's some on food so there's a guy that i enjoy KGG, k j kenji lopez alt kind of cooks in his home with a gopro in his head and He's really kind of scientific the way he talks about things. So I love him. There's another video on food. And then there's a video top right on fishing in the trans sky. Because guess what? I've been watching videos on fishing in the trans sky. And then for some reason, and I honestly say, I've got no idea why it is there. But there's a video called, A Casino Boss Breaks Down Gambling Scenes from Movies. And it feels like I need to be watching that. But here's my point. If you want to know what I love, one of the places you can go is youtube.com because you can see in real time where I have been investing my time and you also get the added benefits of hearing what I say here in church. All right, but now imagine I told you that I loved fishing. But then you went to my youtube.com homepage and you're like, Stephen, there's videos on theology, there's videos on food, there's videos on everything else except fishing. That's what told me that you haven't been watching videos on fishing. Or you went into my garage and you're like, I don't see any fishing gear. And you spoke to my family and they're like, no, we've never been on a fishing holiday. And uh, Stephen never talks about fishing. You might say, Steve, where's all the evidence that you love fishing? Now, imagine my response was, no, 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 I love fishing in my heart. You'd be like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. If you truly love something it is going to come out of your mouth it is going to translate into your hands what you do and your feet where you go and that's what today is about so please turn with me to hebrews chapter 13 and before we read from verse 11 onwards just to give you some background now here's the thing to remind you for the final time the writer to the hebrews is writing to jewish people who became Christians and so this author is assuming that these believers know the rich history and theology of the Old Testament it's pointing towards Jesus how Jesus fulfills all these incredible themes now you and I need to play some catch-up on that Here's the other thing that I'm aware of. One of the great themes that comes to the book of Hebrews in a number of different ways is the idea that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the high priest themes in the Old Testament. And while if you really dig into this and you go down the rabbit hole, there are so many beautiful, incredible nuances to this theme. And the Hebrew writer to the Hebrews picks up on all of these nuances. But I'm aware that for some of you, it just sounds like high priest, high priest, high priest, kind of like a melting pot of this unclear idea of Jesus being our high priest. And today, I say that because we're going to touch on this theme one last time, but we are going to be adding one more element to the picture. And so something we have spoken about is how Jesus is the fulfillment of the high priesthood, specifically when it comes to the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, once a year, the high priest of Israel would take a goat and would shed its blood to go into the most holy place to atone for the sins of Israel. Now, I know at some point, if you're a Christian, we we become almost desensitized to this idea of something needing to die for us. And because we know Jesus is our substitute, it's no longer a goat, it's Jesus once and for all. And we kind of forget how weird that sounds to people. But some Christians and some non-religious people are like, I'm offended by this idea that God can't stand us in his presence, even if we've got sin. Kind of like, you know, when your kids run in the house with dirty feet, you're like, get out! And God, we come into his presence and God's like, get out. We've got this idea that forms in our mind. So I want to transform that idea in you with the following picture. If you had to somehow get into some form of spaceship or something that could fly through space and you headed straight towards the sun, straight into the sun. At some point you would die. Right? Agreed? Agreed? Now, is that because the sun is like, whoa, Stephen's coming. Let me get up all my energy and burn him up. Is that because the sun is being vindictive? It's because the sun is being the sun. And because we are coming into the realm of the sun, that measure of glory and power in an unprotected state, we are automatically consumed. And God is so holy and so glorious that when we do try to come into his presence in an unprotected state we will be consumed and for that reason the Bible says the wages of sin is death and so the day of atonement is a picture pointing forward towards Jesus that something had to die in our place in order for God to look over our sins to cover our sins to atone for our sins and so the high priest would take the blood of the goat into the most holy place. Now that part we've been aware of, the, the part we haven't discussed yet is what happens to the goat after that. What they would do, they would take the body of the sacrificed goat, knowing that it represents the sin of Israel, and they would take it and they would burn it outside the camp as far away from God's holiness as possible now this would be great for the people of Israel the day of atonement once a year was the greatest day but the problem was it had an expiry date so that every year year on year they had to perform the sacrifice again and then Jesus comes along and the writers of the Hebrews are saying Jesus is not only our high priest he is also our sacrifice but once and for all he has paid he has atoned for our sins so knowing that background let's get to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 11 onwards the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering but the bodies are burnt outside the camp verse 12 this is all to point towards jesus and so jesus also suffered outside the city gates now there is a debate as to exactly where jesus was crucified there's the kind of the Catholic historical site, and there's the Protestant historical site. But both are outside what would have been the walls of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. And so in the same way, he was outside the city walls. So Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. I think there's a number of things going on in this verse. I think the one is that when we want to approach God through Jesus, we don't have to go through a city called Jerusalem. We don't have to go through a tabernacle. We don't have to go through a temple. We get to go straight to God through Jesus. doesn't matter where you are. But then there's also a sense in which Jesus bore our sin, and it was disgraceful. People, when they saw Jesus, they turned their faces from him. And in many ways in in this particular case these christians were bearing the disgrace of jesus they were being falsely accused they were being persecuted and so this author is saying well let's look at our savior who bore our disgrace in some way we are also going to share in some of that disgrace but we know we know that eternal life is found in this place the cross of jesus christ The next verse says this, for here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking forward for the city that is to come. Once again, it's not about as walls of a city in the Middle East known as Jerusalem, but what God is going to be establishing in part now, in full in the future. His kingdom, his city, his eternal way. So that's kind of the theology. That's the kind of if jesus part and the rest of the sermon is going to be incredibly practical because it says here in verse 15 through jesus therefore therefore you might be sitting there saying wow steve thanks for another great history lesson i don't know what it means and today we're going to see how practically we can live out this f jesus part if jesus is our high priest and this sacrifice man oh man this can change our lives as of today through jesus therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And So the therefore part is looking at three sacrifices that please God. A sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of doing good, and a sacrifice of being generous and being willing to share. A sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of doing good, and a sacrifice of generosity. But before we talk about, about those, let's talk about this word sacrifice. Not only in the Old Testament was there this annual day of atonement where this goat represented all the sins of Israel, relatively speaking, that cost almost nothing. Throughout the year, as well, on top of that, if you read the book of Leviticus especially, you'll find out. That if you committed a sin or if you committed a sin unknowingly or if God is particularly good to you, you had, a, you had a healthy crop or you wanted to thank him, you wanted to honor him, you wanted to praise him. All of these had ways where you would come to the temple with a sacrifice and it literally cost you cash out of your pockets. Now on the way to church today, I don't think any of you had to come a via, via pick and pay or your butcher or your closest farm in order to come and worship God. You see, in the Old Testament, this was to allow us forgiveness and ask God for for forgiveness. In the New Testament, we come from a place of forgiveness. And yet, there is still some good things. And I'm going to say that again. Some good things that God is asking from us that are going to feel like a sacrifice at times that are going to cost us. And so let's look at what some of these good things are. Firstly, the sacrifice of praise. So what's the sacrifice of praise? I love it when the Bible gives us the answer. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Here's the definition, highlights, bold, underline, the fruits of of lips that confess His name. The fruits of lips that confess His name. maybe you hear the word praise especially if you've been a christian for a while and the first thing that comes to mind is what we've just been doing for the last half an hour singing praise and worship in church and while the word praise definitely includes that it is not exclusively limited to that in fact i would say it is far more about what comes out of our lips from monday to saturday and so we see that the definition of praise is the fruit of lips that confess his name now i think there's a dynamic of praise that is assumed here but that is said explicitly elsewhere in scripture where it talks about the fact that out of the overflow of their hearts the mouth speaks in other words for true praise for something to be coming out of my lips and for it to be true praise there is a heart posture of praise that eventually my lips start to echo what is already in my heart so there's two dynamics, two praise. There's the heart of praise and there's the lips aspect of praise, which helps us understand two ditches that we can maybe are prone to falling into and we need to try and avoid. And the first one is heart only praise. Heart only praise. This is where we say, "We no, this is between me and God. It's private praise. It's praise where, again, Stephen, you say you love fishing, but there's no evidence in it. Well, you say you love Jesus. No, it's all in my heart. Right? Now, here's the thing. Some of us maybe fall into that category. And maybe it's because we're self-conscious around other believers. Maybe it's because we're not confident in our faith. Maybe it is going to diagnose a heart issue as well. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter who you are we naturally praise the things we love we naturally praise our spouses we naturally praise our children we naturally praise the people we love the people we admire the restaurants we enjoy the hobbies we enjoy we do that without effort and then we come to Jesus who is supposed to be the one that we love above all things no no no. this is private praise this is just between between me and Jesus And so if that's you, and I am requiring some kind of honest reflection here. If that is you, I want to challenge you to two things. And the first is going to be a nurturing of the heart. And then the second thing is going to be nurturing something around the lips. And so let's start with the heart. And I want to challenge you to go home and to nurture a heart of praise. I don't want you to just go home and suddenly every second sentence as a response to the sermon is praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, but your heart is not engaged. So let's start with the heart. Let's nurture and develop a heart of praise. How can we do this? Well, we need to see... God more right if we're going to praise him we need to see him more we need to enjoy him more and the only way that happens is by abiding in him spending more time with him so that our vision of him grows in our mind and grows in our hearts and so as we spend time with him in his word we're going to be looking for things to praise him with We're going to see things in His Word, whether it's from this passage or any other passage that you spend time with God during the course of this week, and you're going to praise Him consciously. You're going to say that, whether it's out loud, personally, even on my own, I like to pray out loud. Nonetheless, you're going to start off with your heart. Lord, I praise you for. Or maybe something in your life just... You see God's goodness giving you good things or turning bad things for his good and God allows you to see these things. Praise him in that moment. Lord, I praise you for that. Maybe something is brought to mind or you see a beautiful sunset. Praise him. Nurture the heart of praise. But then number two, commit yourself to speaking of God's good things. And again, I don't think that means every second sentence, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. I think it means being thoughtful about the things we want to glorify God with. And it's about speaking that out to my friends and my life group and my family and saying, you know what I saw about God this week? It's blowing my mind. That's praise. You know what God just did in my heart? That's praise. You know, when I looked at that sunset, it made me think about... God's glory and greatness is praise so let's nurture a heart of praise but let's also discipline ourselves to speak out and confess the praise that we have of God I love the fact that this definition of praise is the fruit the fruits of lips that confess his name we all know fruit doesn't fall out of the sky it doesn't exist on its own. Fruit is dependent on the plant, which is dependent on the soil and the water and the life that comes through it. And so if we are going to have the fruit of lips that confess his name, it's assuming an abiding. It's assuming a rootedness. It's assuming a connectedness to God and his life and his word and his spirit. And the more I'm putting my roots into him, the more my heart is going to be transformed. And the more there is automatically going to be a fruit of lips that confess his name. So that's the first ditch, heart only praise. Let's talk about a second ditch, lips only praise. Jesus says about the Pharisees, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They say all the right things. They do all the right things. For all appearances, they seem to be the epitome of righteousness. It's one of the things that makes self-righteousness so hard to see. One of the reasons that when sinners who knew they weren't righteous, they came to Jesus, Jesus accepted them. But with the Pharisees, for those who were confident in their own righteousness, Jesus had to be pretty hardcore with, to the point where I'm convinced that they were so ticked off by Him that they were looking for any excuse to crucify Him. They've got this external, manicured appearance of religiosity. And that jesus says you are the son of the devil lips only praise but our hearts are far from him now again if you are possibly feeling like i'm prone to this i get here to church and my heart is far from god but as far as anybody else is concerned it looks like i'm engaged with him or if someone had to look at my life i'm not doing any of these big ugly sins that so-and-so is doing and so-and-so is doing but my heart is cold And maybe it's a season where you're feeling not right now so let's again this starts with the heart. and if you want a passage it is my go-to passage every time i feel like my heart is not engaged it's ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 sorry verses 16 onwards where paul is praying for a church listen to what needs to happen to our hearts in order to develop again a heart of praise I pray, Paul is praying for this church. I pray this for you, Riverside, by the way. I pray this for me so regularly, I cannot count. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So for more of Jesus to be in your life, God needs to do something in you. He needs to strengthen you with power through his spirit so that you can cope with more Jesus in your life. You get that? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, meaning you are rooted and established in love, but I don't know if you're aware of that. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. God has to empower you to have a vision of his love. He's got to open something in your heart. He's got to literally pour something of himself in you for you to even begin to grasp that his love is dimensionless. Right? So God needs to transform something in us. And then he goes and continues to say, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Every single one of us can probably say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But my question is, do you know this love? God has to do something in your heart to empower you to know this love. And So if you want to have a heart of praise so we go away from being lips only, let's ask God to fulfill this prayer. Let's bring this prayer to him as a point of absolute dependency and desperation on him. And then, of course, this is going to include our time together on a Sunday. And yes, sometimes it is going to be a sacrifice. Sometimes there are going to be better things to do. Sometimes my heart is going to be troubled. And the last thing that I do is feel like is being warm and praising towards God but I'm going to choose to do this because our worship is not dependent on these things. Now, I love these things. I'm regularly playing on these things. I love the guitars. I love the drums. I love the keys. I love the lights. I love all of those things, but my worship is not dependent on those things. I'm sure I've shared this with you before. Francis Chan, an American pastor, someone came up to him off the church one day and said, hey, pastor, I really didn't enjoy worship today. And he said, well, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. Our worship is dependence on God and the fact that he alone is worthy. That's what worship means. So I want to put this out there. That I believe mature Christian worship is able to recognize God's worthiness regardless of whether someone is singing out of tune or the electricity is off or the aircon is not working or I didn't get my morning coffee while in the flesh that thing those things can get in the way but that does not change the fact that Jesus is worthy and so true worship pushes through those things Sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it comes easily. But that is what this verse is saying. So let's get our heart right. Secondly, this passage talks about the sacrifice of doing good. The assumption is if Jesus is our sacrifice and if Jesus is our high priest, there ought to be an outflow of doing good. Meaning Christ followers those who obey and live after jesus or to display such lives that can be defined as doing good now what i don't necessarily mean by that is signing up for every latest political fair that looks like it's doing good what it doesn't necessarily mean is posturing on social media so that it looks like you're doing good what it does mean is the people who know you would describe you as someone who does good And so if you're in the workplace, your colleagues see you not only as someone who advances their own career, but the careers and the needs of others. Someone who isn't exclusively devoted for those who make their image look good, but are willing to serve those who others would deem beneath them. That our neighbors would describe of us, he or she, because of their faith in Christ, does good and they're willing to sacrifice and they're willing to count the cost and at times it is a sacrifice when waiters and waitresses see Christians coming I'm hoping they're not running to the other end of the restaurant because they know that we are going to do good by them and we're going to treat them well and that goes for all of our public servants The book of 1 peter 2 verses 12 says this live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us so our love of jesus cannot stay in our hearts and mind it's got to start coming out of our lips and it's got to start coming out of our hands and our feet That people can see it. And so if you're being convicted on this particular point, here's a prayer for you. Lord, show me what good things I can do. Maybe it doesn't come naturally to you. Maybe you're not naturally an empath. And then when God shows you something, even if it means counting a cost, obey him in faith and do it. Suddenly you see your neighbor in need and, and you weren't aware of it. Go and meet that need or see how you can support them. Whatever it is, ask God to open your mind and your attention to opportunities for you to do these. We call them random acts of kindness. But let us do good because of the F Jesus, right? Then number three, the sacrifice of generosity. I'm hoping you've seen the connection here. That if Jesus, all of these things are true of him, there ought to be a natural outworking of praise. Number two, if Jesus, if that changes my heart and grips me, there ought to be a natural outworking of good deeds. And if Jesus is true, there ought to be a natural outworking of generosity and willingness to share. And just like with the first two, if there's no evidence of praise on my lips, well, let's go back and check the if Jesus part. Let's go back and check our hearts. And if there's an absence of good deeds, well, maybe I haven't understood God's good deeds towards me. And in the same way, if I am not generous and willing to share and count that cost, maybe there's something in my heart that I'm getting wrong about the if Jesus parts. Acts 4 is a beautiful, beautiful picture of what a church looks like who gets this. Acts 4 describes it in, in, from verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his positions were his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all at the center of this community of faith is the preaching of the resurrected Jesus Christ that always has to be the case F Jesus F Jesus but it continued to work itself out there were no needy persons among them from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need I believe in this passage we see two types or two levels of generosity here. Those who are willing to share. The first one is a spontaneous generosity. That is those who are just living their life and they see a need, they see what God has given them, and they meet that need. This is why I'm absolutely convinced that life groups is one of the best places to experience God's love through people it is almost impossible for us to recognize what all the needs are here on the sunday and there are times where the needs are made known to us as leaders but in life groups the spontaneous sharing we see a need we see what god has given me and i can share gladly count the cost even to the point of sacrifice in order to love that person and meet their needs Now, COVID 19 has smacked us as a planet and maybe you are in great need, or maybe you're aware of people in your life group or your family or, com- or your community and you look at the need around you and you look at the little bits you've got to share and you're like lord i ain't going to make a difference so let me encourage you with this your role is not to fully satisfy this need your role is to share what you have in small and big ways however God has empowered you so that you can help share some meet some of these needs as you share as you share because of what Jesus has done in your life now let me tell you that as a church we have been able to meet so many needs in our community because of the second type of generosity we see in acts 2 acts 4 sorry which is planned generosity there's spontaneous generosity but there's also planned generosity apparently in this community of faith there were stories of people selling their homes and bringing the proceeds and giving it to the leaders of the church so they can distribute it to all the needs that were made known when COVID hit us as a church We started the COVID 19 relief fund and Riverside, you showed up. Some of you while struggling, others, God was still being generous towards in many, many different ways. And for that reason, we were able to take that and meet, I can't even tell you how many needs. In addition, What God has done through this church into the community around us, some of the doors you've been made aware of this through branch out in the community, you guys showed up there again. You planned as part of your generosity to enable that. We've had people from um, Europe, we've had people from the States open up their resources in order to resource what God is doing. And it is absolutely mind-blowing. As people recognized if Jesus... Therefore, the sacrifice of generosity. I know so many churches that are touch and go right now. And let me tell you, some of our finance team are here today. We are not in that position where we're saying, are we even able to open the doors next year? Let me tell you, there are churches that are there. Riverside, through planned generosity, showed up and we've been able to continue doing ministry and by God's grace we want to continue doing ministry in 2021 and only go from strength to strength and that's because there are people amongst us who have been spontaneously generous and we've been amazed to hear some of these stories and we've seen with our own eyes some of these stories and Riversiders have planned the generosity because if Jesus And so, guys, if we do these things that we see in these verses, if we are willing to sacrifice and count the costs when it comes to our praise, when it comes to our good deeds, and when it comes to our generosity and our willingness to share, it says here in verse 16, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Let me set that before you as the ultimate motivation for our sacrifice. The pleasure of our God. See, otherwise it's it's just duty. Otherwise we only count the cost and we get worn down. But when we realize the pleasure of the Father and how his kingdom is extended because of our sacrifice, man, that transforms us. And to quote, yes, while this may still be something that costs us, costs us our time costs us our energy costs us our resources something that i failed to say earlier when it comes to us having the sacrifice of generosity it is not exclusively limited to our wallets we can be generous with our time generous with our table generous with our spare car generous with our home generous with our compassion generous with our love generous with our attention And to quote the guy who preached here last week, shamelessly, it is worth it. It is worth it. Because when we talk about the sacrifice of praise, we look up and we see the one who is worthy. And it is worth it to praise the worthy one. I've used this so many times here at Riverside. Think about the privilege a groom feels when he praises his bride. That is not a duty. That is pure joy so when we praise god and the good things he has done and the good things he is in and of himself that gives us joy and so it's worth it and when we see how god has served us and the good things god has done and the ways that god has been so good towards us especially in the cross of jesus christ man it is worth it for me to respond in his kingdom with good deeds and then when I see how rich God has been towards me, and again, don't look at your bank account to figure out if God has been rich towards you. Look towards the cross. But God gave him yourself, and even if you are in debt, you're one of the wealthiest peoples on the planet because you've got Jesus. And so that is where we see God's generous heart towards us. That though He was God, He did not hold on to that, but emptied Himself and became a servant, even to the point of death, Philippians chapter 2. God gave Himself to us in His fullness. And as a response, we are generous. So as we wrap up this morning, today is so immensely practical. I want going to ask us that we close our Close our eyes, but open up our hearts towards God's voice. Father, I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts. That we might know you better. Transform our hearts. Allow the eyes of our hearts to see you, Jesus. That you would grow bigger in our hearts and bigger in our minds your praiseworthiness would grow in our hearts the good things you have done to us would grow your generosity to us would grow and increase in our hearts that we can't but respond in these practical ways and so holy spirit do that but in light of that church as you're just there in a quiet space I want to ask you, what is a practical step that God is calling you to take? Maybe it is to go home and nurture the heart of praise. That you become increasingly rooted in the soil of God's spirit and his word and his life. Maybe for some of you, it's to realize I am enjoying God so much, but it hasn't yet transformed into what comes out of my mouth. So Lord, give me the opportunity to speak of your good works and your goodness and your great love. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's been so private and, and in church spaces, you're happy, but now you realize it's got to affect those who are in need around you. And so, Lord, give me opportunity to serve my neighbors, serve my family, serve my friends, serve my life group, serve my church, serve those who I maybe don't even know. There's an incredible opportunity with Christmas cheer for us to do this. Oh, well, Lord, you know what? You have been so generous to me, but that it hasn't reflected in my generosity into the kingdom. Where there is spontaneously sharing what God has blessed you with or planning your generosity. So Father, I recognize that I will not fully understand how much you have given me in Jesus. But I'm going to take steps of faith this week to reflect something of that generosity to this world. And so God, thank you for speaking. And yes, Lord, even though at times it is going to be a sacrifice, we're going to think of Jesus who counted the cost as pure joy. So open our hearts and our minds and these opportunities you're going to give us this week, Holy Spirit. Give us courage to follow through with what you're asking of us. We pray that so many would be blessed as we count this sacrifice pure joy for you. You pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.